In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the early evening at this time of year, on the days that the sun has eluded the clouds that we have today, it casts a long shaft of light right into the heart of the nave of this cathedral. And on such a day, leaving the building, you're drawn into dazzling brightness. It's as disorientating as deep darkness. And on those days, it's almost an act of faith to keep on walking when you cannot see any longer. It's like entering into the divine gaze. As we sit here this evening, we sit beneath a depiction of the divine gaze. For high at our east end, Christ in glory raises wounded hands as in blessing. The casting of evening light, the glittering mosaics, all hint at but can't get anywhere near conveying the magnitude of divine beholding. And how does that seem to you? Our second reading comes from the Revelation to John. The author describes a vision of Christ as powerful and present, one who is at the same time recognizable as the Jesus who lived a human life and also the ancient, the powerful one. In the opening chapters of the Revelation to John, this Jesus speaks to seven churches. His words and presence offer security, for he gathers all things into his hands. His words and his presence offer hope, for the one who was dead is alive. Even death cannot hold him. But his words and his presence are also a serious challenge, a call to faithfulness. To each of the seven churches, Christ says, I know you, I know your works, or a variation on the theme. Christ addressing them directly, I know you. How does that seem to you? Actually, how many people truly know you? Over 60 years ago, the sociologist Irving Goffman published what's become a classic text, The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. Way before Instagram and all the other forms of social media, Goffman observed the ways in which we attempt to control how others see us hoping that they'll come to believe that the stage-managed versions of ourselves that we put out there will be believable. These may be visions of ourselves that we even fool our very selves with. And perhaps it's part of the human condition to long for that heart-to-heart -heart and face-to-face -face connection and yet to fear it. It's unnerving to let ourselves be truly seen. At the very same time that many of us expose far more of our lives than ever before, 
we're beset by what some people describe as an epidemic of loneliness. We're left longing for that authentic connection. Yet woven through the Hebrew and Christian scriptures are pointers to this gaze of the God who knows us, who knows our days, who knows our ways. Oh God, you know me and you see me, said Jeremiah over 2,500 years ago. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, wrote Paul, the apostle for whom this cathedral was named. In the passage we had from Revelation, Jesus speaks to two of those seven churches. First to the Christians in Sardis, and then to the church in Philadelphia. Both are in what is present-day Turkey. Twice, Sardis, the ancient capital of Lydia, had been taken by surprise attack, and forces had overrun what was supposed to be a completely defendable citadel. I know you, says Christ to that church at Sardis. Be alert. Don't be taken by surprise again. You cling to a good reputation, but in reality, your faith is near to death. It's time to strengthen what is close to death and wake up. I know you, says Christ to that church at Philadelphia. You're doing well. You have such little power, so few resources, yet you are faithful. Therefore, remain faithful. I know you. Before the gaze of God, we have nowhere to hide, but neither have we need to hide. I've been reading a journal. It's that of Christophe Le Breton, one of the martyred brothers of the monastery in Algeria, and their story was told in the film of Gods and Men. Christophe was the youngest of the monks. He's been described as the poet and true man of the spirit among them. His journal reveals the depths of his inner dialogue with God, and that was always marked by his attention to people and the events that were around him. He wrote just a matter of days before he and his companions were kidnapped and then murdered. And Brother Christoph addressed God, writing, Near to you I am, to withdraw to one's chamber, to the place where worldly eyes have no access, but only the gaze of the Father who sees in secret. May your gaze deliver me from all looking at myself and deliver me from all worry about the opinion others might have of me. This bringing of ourselves before the gaze of God is not the same as introspection because it's not us that are the center of attention, but it's an invitation to see God and to be seen by God to see our own lives as God might see them, and to allow those false images of ourselves 
just to dissolve away before the grace-filled beholding of God. It might be disconcerting, this being truly known, but there's no place more secure and no place more hopeful. The Trappist monk Thomas Merton wrote, the one who is not afraid to admit that everything he sees wrong with himself, yet recognizes that he may be the object of God's love, can begin to be sincere. Sincerity based on confidence, not in his own illusions about himself, but in the endless, unfailing mercy of God. So this day without sunshine, before the glorious gaze of God, let us be known, let us be held within that mercy of God, that with God and for God, we too may arise and shine. O God, in the shelter of your compassionate gaze, May we come to know you, even as we are known in you. Amen.